Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's House for Worship today. Modern marvels, the ingenuity and horsepower today to make something incredible happen. It's fascinating to see. But in the service today, we have an ancient one. How God figured out how to give salvation to sinners. That he would engineer and do all of this and gift it through faith. Life with him, simply through faith in him. It's incredible. Order of service is found in your worship folder or on screen. Let's begin with our opening hymn, or with the opening hymn, 802.
Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are they. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, God, our Father, our merciful Father, has forgiven all of our sins. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and Savior. Jesus paid the penalty for our guilt by his death on the cross and freed us from death by his resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God now and forever. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you see that we have no power to defend ourselves. Guard and keep us then both outwardly and inwardly from all adversities that may happen to the body and all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. First lesson is from Genesis chapter 12, this ancient marvel God has done for sinners begins with a promise and his call. God promises to do something all on his own and that's what he promised to do for Abram here, all by his own expense. We read, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Continue with the duet.
Second lesson this morning is from Romans 4, selected verses, and this serves as basis for the sermon. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing. And the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel lesson is taken from John chapter 3. And here Jesus talks about this entire subject and indicates it's a miracle that God does and grants through faith. there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. 
you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Gospel of the Lord.
In the name of Jesus Christ, the only, the only Savior you need, brothers and sisters. Well, that was interesting. try to rein it back in. <laughs> I watched a fascinating documentary on, Net, on Netflix last week. It took me back to the 90s where Pepsi had put out an incredible commercial and a 20-year-old man saw it. It's entitled, Pepsi, Where's My Jet? Back in the mid-90s, Pepsi was uh, the new kid on the block when it came to uh, the soda drink, cola drink. And so they were in the middle of the cola wars, and they're trying to carve out more of a market share for themselves. And in order to carve out a better market share for themselves, they realized they had to go on a marketing blitz and ad campaign, and they did. And, and from a marketing standpoint, they had phenomenal commercials that drew people in, and they were specifically targeting young people. Well, Pepsi wanted to step up their game in the mid-90s, and so what they did is they, they decided, we want to put the Pepsi logo on people. We want people to be our advertisers, and so they wanted the Pepsi logo on glasses, on clothing, on mugs, all, all of that kind of stuff. And so they, they invented this kind of game that the more Pepsi or Pepsi products you drank, the more points you received, and you could turn those points in for Pepsi paraphernalia and send that in. But the marketers knew if they were going to make this go, and especially to the younger up-and-coming crowd, they had to have a knock-it-out-of-the-park commercial. And so they advertised their clothing, all of the stuff they were putting in throughout the commercial, and at the end they had this, uh, you know, kind of a role model type, type teen who lands a Harrier jet on the front lawn of a high school and of course the cockpit opens he kind of pops out and imagine flying to school in this thing and then he and then he goes to class and at the bottom of the commercial it said seven million points for the jet and now this is where it gets contentious because pepsi put no fine print there no legalese they never said haha we're joking you really can't get a jet and so maybe for everybody in the rest of the world, they think there's no way you're going to get 7 million points. But a 20-year-old kid, guy, started doing the math. Huh. A Harrier jet costs between 30 to $32 million. And he got on the phone and he actually, a number of times, called the Pentagon and finally got through to a Pentagon spokesman and the spokesman said, yes, we would disarm the Harrier jet, but we'd have no problem selling that to a citizen, which meant the Pepsi claim was legit. You could actually gift the prize of a Harrier jet, and he knew he had something. So then he started to do the math, how much Pepsi would it cost to get 7 million points? Four to four and a half million dollars worth of Pepsi products. 
Well, that's not bad. Four and a half million dollars to get a $30 million jet. He, he's raking it in if that's the case, but, but he doesn't have four and a half million dollars to buy the product, and that would include warehouse storage, uh, forklifts, personnel to move all of these things. That was all included in the four and a half million. So he went to a wealthy donor friend of his, and he made his pitch, $30 million jet for four and a half million dollars of Pepsi. And the donor thought, this is way too risky. I, I can't invest in this. And so the kid was dejected. And a couple weeks later, he walks into a gas station for who knows what, and he sees Pepsi put out a little magazine about this program, the points program. And he starts looking through this, and he sees all the paraphernalia. Of course, Pepsi would claim there was no jet listed in that magazine. But he goes, he goes to the back page, and it says... You can buy a point for 10 cents. So, 7 million points would only cost $700,000. A 30 million jet for $700,000. He thinks he's figured this out. So he goes back to his wealthy donor friend, walks through the whole magazine, shows him this stuff, and his donor friend says, yes, we're going for this. Now I can do this. He cuts the check. The 20-year-old fills out the information and says, even though it wasn't listed there to get the Harrier jet, he goes, I want the jet. And they mail in the check and the request for the jet. And of course, Pepsi gets it. Never saw it coming. About four to six weeks later, they send the kid a snarky letter saying, this was only a joke, here's your money back. And the kid writes a letter back to Pepsi and says, I'm serious. This is what you advertised. And Pepsi sues him in court. The kid countersues. And to make an already long introduction a little bit shorter, <laughs> Pepsi won. The kid never got the jet. And they still study this case in law school to this day. And a lot of people think the kid should have won. Do you realize it's 4,000 years after the life of Abraham? And here we are 4,000 years later and we're still studying the court case of Abraham. Why? What makes his case out of all of the other people of the world? What makes this so important that we need to study this again? And if you, if you keep in mind, it's only because the three major religions of the world, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, all claim a connection to Abraham. All three of these religions recognize Abraham enjoyed special favor and blessing from God. And at the end of his life, Abram won the prize. He won with God. He won eternal life as something incredible. And so this case becomes an incredibly important case. But now, how he got the prize is where all three of these major religions differ today. And so this case becomes extremely important. 
And so the Apostle Paul starts off today in our lesson, what in fact did Abraham discover about this according to his flesh, according to his body? How in the world did this work for this person in the flesh? Did he enjoy some kind of special favor with God because of who he was? I mean, when God came to him in Genesis chapter 12, I mean, was Abraham somebody special that, that God had to bow down to and cater to and bend the knee to? Because, well, maybe it was his riches, maybe it was his fame, maybe it was his wife, um, maybe it was all the manservants and maidservants he had, his flocks, all of the, whatever he had in Haran, maybe it was his relatives. Maybe, was it something he did? I mean, did he dupe the Sphinx? Did he beat the Sphinx in some kind of battle of wits? Did, did he have some kind of major success in life that the rest of the known world at the time saw him as somebody incredible? Did he discover some kind of artifact that set him apart from some other person? Actually, no. He did nothing. That's what Paul says. If Abraham was justified, and, and that's a, a big word that takes us to a courtroom, and it literally means to be declared not guilty, or it means to be forgiven. If Abraham was forgiven or declared not guilty in a court of law by works, a, a work is something you've done, an accomplishment of some kind, then he had something to boast about but not before God. And the point is, what sinner does have something to boast about before God? If you look in the pages of the Old Testament and you go through the life of Abraham, what are you going to find about this individual? You're going to find that he lied about his wife being his sister and he really ticked off a number of people in Egypt because God brought uh, affliction on them because Abraham lied. What a terrible thing he did to his neighbor. You're going to find out that he committed adultery with, with his wife's uh, maidservant and got her pregnant, which really brought a lot of suffering into his family and into the world. And, and then on top of it, God promised Abraham and Sarah would have a child, and Abraham said, I, I don't see that happening, so I'm going to gift my entire estate, Lord, even though you've promised differently, I'm going to gift it to my head servant. I mean, talk about a sinner... Do you really think Abraham had the audacity and the gravitas to stand before God at the end of his life and cross his arms and say, uh, I finally earned all the points, Lord. I finished your program and I deserve the prize. Lord, where's my jet? Where's eternal life? Because I earned it. Absolutely not. Nor would that work for us. And yet, if you're going to be honest, if you really look inside of your heart, there are days where don't you have that inkling and inclination to say, yeah, there's some good stuff in me. There's something here that should merit something with God how God must be really pleased with what just happened in my life or the decision I made that turned out so well. And so all of a sudden we're elevating ourselves to a level Scripture never gives us. And do you know what you're doing? You're actually participating in every other religion besides Christianity. 
Think about it. Every other religion besides Christianity in the world says, you do it. You earn it. You achieve it. You accomplish all the points necessary for when you stand before your maker and somehow, some way, he's just going to be okay with it because after all, I mean, don't we all know God is a God of love, right? And so they're using that to excuse and be okay with everything else. God should just be okay with what you've done and hopefully it does balance out in the end. Except what they're really forgetting is that God is a holy God. And actually, he tells you the fine print of how this works. In the Old Testament, God gave the fine print with his law of how it worked to get eternal life. And so it's all written right out there in full, all of the rules and regs for how, it, how it's going to work for, get, for getting the prize at the end of your life. And if you do that, if you look in the Old Testament and you take your life and you compare it and you measure it up and you still think that you have what it takes on your own to stand before the Almighty, then I excuse you from sitting in the pew and go ahead and turn the lights out. Because this is clearly the wrong place for you. The Apostle Paul tells us God did not give us his law to show us how we will win the prize. He says point blank, the law brings wrath. The law shows us our sin. The law reveals to us how we're disqualified from the righteousness program. How he's going to kick us out of the program and how he's still got a law case against us. The law was given to show us our sin and to show us just what God has against us. Because we don't measure up. Which is exactly why Abraham did not pursue that program. He didn't pursue that plan. The one where he would have to do it. The one where he would have to earn it. And this is why we need to study his case. It says... Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So in Genesis 12, God gave Abram a promise and God created faith in his heart and Abram responded and trusted that promise. God acted first, Abram responded and that's how it worked. Which means... Abram trusted God would do the work. Abram looked at the God of love and said, I see you're going to fulfill your promises for me. This is your word and I trust you to do it. I trust you to earn the points necessary for me to earn the prize. That nothing is on me. There's no obligation. There's no force. There's no debt on me that I need to accomplish to stand before you on the last day. Lord, you're going to provide it. And so it says, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world. 
but through the righteousness that comes by faith. I want you to understand that passage is pure gospel. A sinner doesn't need to earn it. A sinner like me, a disqualified person from heaven because of breaking the law, doesn't need to somehow please you and try to earn your favor? A sinner needs to do nothing for this? You mean a sinner just trusts that this is what you meant? That you are going to do it at your own expense? That you are going to send your son? That this is completely on you and I just trust you to do it? Yes. Abram believed the Lord and God credited it, meaning as he trusted the Lord, God gave him every righteous requirement needed for heaven. Everything necessary, all the points. So that Abram didn't earn it, but God did for him. This is why this case is so important. Your faith today in the Jesus Christ who came into the world and accomplished salvation is the same exact faith Abraham had that looked forward to the Savior to come. You have his exact same faith. Which is why Paul says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abram's offspring. So Sunday after Sunday we come to church and we gather together here, and this is our opportunity and our time to do the math. I want you to do the spiritual math this morning. If, if you look at the Old Testament, if you look at the law, if you evaluate your life and you add it up, and you still think you can do it, you are going to lose. You are going to lose the prize, and you will have an eternity to figure out how you lost it. Or you can come here and see Jesus Christ, the one God promised by grace, the one who is righteousness for us, who obeyed the law, who did everything necessary, who pleased his father every day of his life, who went to a cross for every single sinner, who died, who rose to life to guarantee everything he did was good, and who simply promises through faith in me, everything Jesus did is yours. So that you can stand before God humbly in faith. And know the prize is yours. Guaranteed. Heaven is yours. Forgiveness is yours. That your court case is won in Jesus Christ. And that you win all this the exact same way Abraham did. The prize is yours. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. 
the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, you loved the world and gave your Son to free us from sin and death by his obedient death on the cross. We confess. Lord of the Church, we thank you for the treasure of the gospel. By your Spirit, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Guard and guide those who carry a cross in the name of Christ and face ridicule and persecution for the sake of the kingdom, missionaries and chaplains, young people who stand up for what is right in the face of pressure to do what is wrong, and all who pay a high price for their faith and values as Christians. Keep in your care those who carry heavy burdens in life, the sick and the chronically ill, the depressed and the lonely, those torn by conflict and personal relationships, and those victimized by war and injustice. Comfort all who face the terrors of life with a heavy heart. Watch over those who care for others, pastors and counselors, physicians and nurses, social workers and caring friends, all who feed the hungry, comfort the hurting, and stand beside the dying. Lord, we ask you to bring relief to the earthquake survivors in Turkey and Syria, and we ask you also to bless our sister congregations in Ukraine as they struggle to hold on to and proclaim the gospel. We also ask that you would mercifully bring an end to the war. Hear us as we now pray in silence. Help us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Keep us faithful even to the point of death that we may receive the crown of life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Morning, everyone. Special welcome to guests and visitors. Love having you come. Please do come worship the Lord with us again. A couple of announcements for you. Uh, Bible study will take place at about 9.15, 9.20 down in the gymnasium. Would love to have you join us. Uh, we did get word back from Brian and Bailey Scriver. We had asked them, uh, Brian, to be principal and Bailey to teach 3K. They have returned those calls and they're going to stay put down in Texas. So uh, we have reached out to our, our church body and are looking for a call meeting to hopefully happen a week from today. Uh, and in the bulletin it does say we've already scheduled a call meeting for a week from today uh, to talk through some matters and you can see those listed in, in the bulletin as well. Uh, Lenten service this Wednesday. Luther, did you want to say anything about upcoming marriage retreat? Put, putting you on the spot. Registration is closed for the marriage retreat. All right, then we are just going to jump to the Wells Connection for this month. <laughs> 